You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You know, uh, it's such a great time uh, for us to come together. And some of you are just sharing about different things that you are thankful for. And you know, Jen, thankfulness is actually a really good cure, uh, I think, in a society that maybe is feeling overwhelmed or burdened or anxious. I I heard this, okay? It's really interesting. Is that the place where you, uh, you know, kind of experience gratitude in your mind is also the place where you feel anxious. And so if you're being if you're being grateful, you actually cannot be anxious at the same time. Uh, which is, so it's just a really profound practice that a lot of uh, different people have discovered. They do this in AA and NA. It's just this practice of thankfulness or gratitude. Uh, people who struggle with maybe anxiety or those kind of things, just every day, what am I thankful for? Oh, I'm feeling anxious. What can I be grateful for in my life, you know? Thankfulness is so, so important. It is so pivotal. And especially, uh, I think, as, as the people of God. You know, it's interesting. When you think about different holidays and things like that, oftentimes they can kind of get sterilized a little bit about like their true meaning and uh, what really, you know, they were about in the beginning. And suddenly it's like, you know, Easter is about chocolate and bunnies and all that kind of stuff. Right, kids? You, you know this. But, uh, and, uh, and I think the same is for Thanksgiving. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like a time that... We eat a lot of animals and, you know, fatty food and, I don't know, grandma asks us to be thankful and, you know, and and we kind of forget the real reason. And I I did, I went into history books, okay? Uh, And I was like, when did Thanksgiving in Canada start? Like, we know the American version. Let's not talk about that. But let's talk about the the Canadian version, right? And, And on January 31st, 1957, the governor of Gen, uh, General of Canada, Vincent Macy, said this, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which he has, uh, which Canada has been blessed to be observed on the second Monday in October. I found it very interesting, and of course this is a, it's characteristic of the time, but this holiday was not just a time to eat food and, you know, say what we're thankful for, but to also express gratitude and thankfulness to God. Gratitude and thankfulness to God for all that he's given us, for everything that we've received in this country, but also in our daily lives. And, uh, you know, I think it's so, so important that on this day, we respond and recognize all that God has given us by giving thanks and thankfulness, not just to our friends and family, but also to God. And we just so happen, and I think this theme fits really well, Uh, with the idea of thanksgiving or gratitude, to be talking about this idea of generosity this Sunday. We've been in a vision series where we've been going through uh, different statements or values that really describe who we want to be as a church. And many of you are checking this out for the first time. Even as I look around the room today, I see faces I don't know. Uh, And so these moments are actually really important as we we vision who we are as a community, as you're checking us out. And then also for those of us who have been here for a long time, to really uh, remind ourselves, who are we as a church? What kind of people do we want to be? And so uh, we started this series with talking about mission, that we want to be a people, and uh, that we want to be a people who are living on mission, that we are joining in Jesus' mission. Secondly, uh, we talked about the fact that we want to be a people uh, who, who are being formed into the image of Jesus 
Uh, thirdly, we talked about a people, we want to be marked by his presence. And lastly, we want to be a people uh, of extravagant generosity. Extravagant generosity. And generosity really flows out of gratitude. Out of gratitude. Here's my big idea for us this morning. Jesus is an extravagantly generous God, so we should be an extravagantly generous people. Now, some of you are getting a little bit nervous. Oh my gosh, he's going to talk about money. Man, really? Ah, it's already hard enough. The interest rates. I'm with Scotiabank. Ah, right? Like, you know, uh, it's, this isn't good. Inflation. You know how much Thanksgiving is costing me this year, right? The guy's going to talk about being generous. Suddenly you've got a phone call, you've got to pick up, there's an emergency back home, the turkey's on fire, you're a little bit nervous. But honestly, when we consider the generosity of our God, who he is and what he has done, I do believe it actually inspires within us not a generosity out of obligation, but a generosity, like a, a deep desire to be generous with others. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you here today, okay? Not a, you know, like a, a really hard talk where you guys need to give more and pass around the plate, but inspire generosity within us. How? By pointing to our generous God. Here's what our dream is as a church. Our dream is this, is that we would give sacrificially on a personal and corporate level to advance the mission of God locally and around the world. This includes our time, our talent, and treasure. As people, we recognize the gifts we have received through the extravagant generosity of God, and as a result, we give extravagantly to others. And it's that last line that I've been narrowing in on. We recognize the gifts we have received is through the extravagant generosity of God. And out of that, we want to give to others. If we want to be a generous church, our starting point is looking at the God who has given us all things. The Apostle Paul uh, knew this well, and he highlights this as a foundation of why the Corinthians should be a generous people. Uh, you'll see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. There's two chapters where he's writing uh, letters to the Corinthian church, trying to stir up and inspire them towards generosity. And so we actually haven't done this in a few weeks. If you're willing, if you're able, uh, can you stand up as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9? <clears throat> Here's what it says. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with an abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it for their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than what we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we encouraged, or we urged, Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, 
Yet for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, we could become rich. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. I pray it would speak to us this morning and it would inspire us to be an extravagantly generous people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's why I read this passage for you this morning, this Sunday. My heart is that of Pastor Paul's. Since you excel in many ways, and you truly do church, honestly, we are a church that excels in so many ways. The amount of people that tell me how welcome they feel when they walk through these doors. The amount of people who tell me, wow, I'm just so overwhelmed by just the level of service and care and love for our kids and, you know, the amazing coffee from Kathy and all these things. The way that you serve our community, the way that you go on mission, the way that you, there, there's so many things, but Paul's heart is this. Since you excel in so many ways, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving that you would excel in extravagant generosity. And so this is my heart. This is Paul's heart. And, uh, you know, I want to draw us back to this idea. And it came at the end of this text. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you could be made rich. This is not the prosperity gospel. The riches that he is talking about are the riches of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, of community, of relationship, all of these things, the good things that come from God. He's saying because of Jesus, because he went from heaven to earth, he had all the riches of heaven, all the abundance of a deity, right? Uh, as, as Philippians chapter 2 says, though he was in the form of God, he did not seek equality with God as something to cling to, but made himself nothing taking the form of a servant through this act of condescending and coming down to our level, a profound reality took place is that through Jesus entering our world and dying on a cross for you and for me, he actually made us rich in the things that truly matter. Grace, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, all these kind of things. And Paul is saying, he, he's pointing us to the gospel this morning. And I want to encourage you by the gospel, that Jesus is a generous God. He's an incredibly generous God. He has been so kind to us. This is why we raise our hands in worship. This is why we sing praises to him, as we did earlier on. And out of that, the prayer and the hope is that we would be a generous people. Randy Alcorn says this, contemplate Christ's giving of himself on our behalf. An infinitely wealthy king chose to become poor to make us rich by buying our peace with God through his own death. Profound. He is so generous to us. Let me just remind you of his, some of his generosity. Psalm chapter 136, verse 25 to 26. He gives food to every living thing. As you're sitting there just enjoying those like Brussels sprouts, all right? You're having a, just an amazing cut of ham, okay? Whatever it might be. He is the giver of those things. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply your every need according to the glorious riches. His glorious riches. Our God is a God who supplies our every need. Acts chapter 17 tells us that in him we live and move and have our being. 
Take a deep breath. It's from God. Matthew tells us he reigns on the good and the bad. He, he gives rain to the crops. See, our God is incredibly generous. I've experienced this in my life, his grace to me, his provision for me. There's been times where we've experienced his provision. There's been times where when I was far, far away from him, he brought me close and gave me grace. I've seen God's grace and provision for me time and time again. His generosity hits new levels, though. When we begin to realize that nothing we have is truly yours, actually everything that you and I have is on loan. Consider for a moment that everything in the world is his. The psalmist says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I think we skip over that part, right? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When he said everything, he meant everything. The world and all who live in it. So not only the things that we own, but we as people, we all belong to our gracious Father. Everything is his. Think about this. Every stone, every creek, every tree, every mountain, your car, your house, even your phone, they all belong to him. Your spouse is from him. Your kids are from him. There's not a square inch of this planet the Lord doesn't rightly declare. This is mine. It's funny, my three-year-old daughter, Emmy, you met us are in the front row with me, and she has this really funny kind of expression only because she, she makes it, elongates it. She always says, that's mine's. That's mine's, right? And I think that we sometimes, even as adults, don't grow out of that mentality. That's mine's. <laughs> but the truth is, is that the scriptures tell us that it is God's. And so when we have a mentality that actually everything I own and everything I have is yours, God, it changes the way that we think about it. Uh, I recall the author Stephen King, the great theologian. He said, I want you to consider making your lives one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. As we've been told time and time again, you cannot take stuff to the grave. And so we are called to live a life of generosity. All you have is on loan. I heard John Wesley one time, and he understood this. There's a story that one day a distraught man rode up on his horse to Wesley while he was preaching, shouting, Mr. Wesley! Can you imagine in the middle of the sermon, someone walks in, Cam Daly, <laughs> I have something to tell you. Everyone looks back. He says, your house has burned to the ground. What would I do? I'd be running out of there, right? <laughs> what did Wesley do? He said, no, the Lord's house has burnt down, right? <laughs> it's not one less responsibility for me. Famously, this was his response. I'm not sure I would have responded that way. But he understood this concept, right? That everything we have is on loan. Every gift and perfect thing is actually the Father's. And so when we begin to have this mentality, it inspires in us generosity. And I think that the Macedonians got this. The Macedonians that Paul wrote in that text we read as we were standing, they became a very generous people even though their circumstances said that they should be, that's mine's. And Paul commends them for this. He commends them for this. He, he says, 
Now I want you, dear brothers and sisters, to know the, the kindness that he has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. They are very, not rich, poor. They are very poor. But they've also been filled with an abundant joy that has overflowed in rich generosity. He goes on to share, not only did they give abundantly, and you might have missed this, so apparently the believers in Jerusalem were really in a hard time, a, a time of difficulty, a time of struggle. Not only did they give abundantly to that, but they gave eagerly, and they gave more than was even expected of them. They're just a church in a community that was just sitting on the edge of their seat, waiting for an opportunity to give. You ever receive those like cold calls, you know, from people who are like, hi, this is, uh, you know, me from Make-A-Wish Foundation or whatever it might be, right? And I'm, I, I'm just wondering if I could have a moment of your time. If you're a Macedonian, you're like, absolutely. Yeah, right? Like, wait, how much can I give, right? They're just, they're sitting on the edge of their seat. The other day I was walking down to the SkyTrain. Some lady say, can I have a moment of your time? And the instinct within me is like, no, sorry, I'm busy. I got to keep going, right? The Macedonian's like, absolutely. Are you asking for an offering? I've got some extra coins here, right? Like it's just, they have this abundant generosity just waiting on their edge of their seats to give. They, they were... They gave with joy, it says. It's absolutely incredible. Even though they had experienced many trials, tribulations, and troubles, and they didn't have a lot. What does it take for us to become a people like that? What does it take for us to become a people like the Macedonians, a people of extravagant generosity, well, they recognized these realities that we've been speaking to this morning, that everything they had was on loan, that God had been incredibly generous to them through sending his son, Jesus. And out of that, it stirred up within them a generosity that just did not make sense to the outside world. Paul himself even seems a little bit shocked about it, right? He's like writing. He's just like, you won't believe this. They gave more, even though they faced trials, even though they faced difficulties, and I think it's really interesting, um, as I've traveled around the world uh, for missions and things like that, it's actually in the places where people are struggling the most. It's actually in the places where people have faced the most trials that I've seen the most generosity. And the ge generosity isn't necessarily zeros, you know, at the end of a check or something like that. But it's a, just a generosity of opening up their lives to you. Opening up their table to you giving you the little that they have. I remember this when I was in Chiapas uh, last year. And uh, this, you can put up this picture here uh, of Pastor Bilgar. And uh, Pastor Bilgar, he is the district superintendent of the Alliance Churches in the state of Chiapas. Uh, and he's become a, a really good friend over my times visiting there. And I remember one day he went into town to get some supplies for a building project that we were doing. And he arrived back. And when he arrived, he was wearing this really awesome hat. I should have brought it today. I really should have. But he was wearing this amazing hat. And I was just trying to like encourage the guy. And I was like, oh, you know, in like really bad Spanish. I won't even attempt right now because we do have some Latinos in our midst. Um, and, uh, but I was trying to say to him like, hey, I really like your hat, you know. And his first instinct wasn't, you know, just to be like, oh, thank you, right? And like, I readjust it. His first instinct was this. He takes the hat off of his head and he puts it on mine. And I say, wait a second, what are you doing? No, no, this is your hat. He goes, no, 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 pastor. This is my gift to you. 
This is my gift to you. I uh, later got to see Pastor Bilgar's house. And by our standards, it was not much. I'm talking sheet metal, no glass windows, you know, leaky roof, dirt floors, wood-burning stove. All the family slept in one room. He didn't have a lot. He didn't have a lot. And yet, that day, someone, probably Pastor Tomas, bought him a hat, and his first instinct was to give it away. And it wasn't just like, oh, like out of obligation or something like this. As he was giving it to me, I could just see this abundant joy, this smile that was on his face. It was a joy to give. He had received somehow the heart of a Macedonian. He, because of all that God had given him, he could not help but be an incredibly generous person. And I've experienced this not just in Mexico, I've experienced this in the Philippines. When I was there on mission, I've not just experienced this in the Philippines, I've experienced this in Turkey. Where people who have the least tend to be the most generous, and, but something has happened in the West. We've bought into the ideologies of our day. Greed has gripped our hearts. We live in fear instead of faith. And it's created a mentality with us where we say, that's mine's. That's mine's. But this is not the heart of people we're followers of Jesus. You know, I want to tell you not just about the Macedonians, but the Maronites. The Maronites. We come from a church, uh, if you don't know, if you're new to our, our, our church, we're actually a, a church of three campuses. We have a campus up in Coquitlam, uh, the Mariner campus, and then we have another one in downtown Coquitlam, the town center campus. And, uh, and we were the third campus of this community. And so we actually come from a legacy of generosity. It is actually possible in the West to be a generous people. And I've learned a lot about generosity over my time and years at Mariner. It was incredible. Um, around seven years ago, we started a building campaign to build a new building uh, attached to the existing building up in Mariner. And uh, when they first started this campaign, experts told us based off the size of our church and our annual giving and all that stuff that we might expect at max that we would raise $2.5 million dollars. To date, okay, to date, our church has raised $8.5 million for that building. We paid off our mortgage, literally ripped it up. And now the funds that have been coming in for that building campaign are going to update the existing building. And in each one of those campaigns, the first one forward in faith, the second for the city, the heartbeat behind this was this. We need to make space so that people can hear about Jesus. We need to make space so people can receive. In, that, in the old building, we now have uh, this incredible um, room where people can go called the dressing room, and they can receive clothing totally for free. We have in the new building a, a food pantry that feeds people in our community every week, 200 families a month receiving food from there. It's an incredible sight to see as you see them lining up and they actually get to go around and shop in, in that space and choose what they want. They all have a, a balance on a card that they can swipe, really giving dignity to people. This is why we did it. And the Maronites, <laughs> some of you who were some of them, some of you who have contributed to that campaign, and so I thank you, demonstrated what generosity was. I heard stories of you know, people selling their homes 
okay? And downsizing to contribute to that building. I hear stories of old ladies walking in, taking off their gold rings, okay, and giving it to the campaign. I heard stories of little kids, okay? There's kids in the service. Kids, I want you to imagine this, okay? Selling their Hot Wheels <laughs> to support. Just up the hill, not too far from us, there's an incredible example of generosity. There's only $500,000 left in that last campaign, and then everything is done. Everything that we dreamed of, that ways that we could love and support and encourage people. I want you to know, we as Rail City, it might feel like we're kind of removed because we're here in the Inlet Theater. We benefit from this space. There's youth ministry that takes place up there. There's men's ministry, women's ministry. There's classes on Tuesday night. We've hosted events there as a campus. When we got kicked out of the school because of Omicron, we went up there for a couple weeks. So really interesting to be a, a camp, like a church, a Port Moody church meeting in Coquitlam for four weeks, right? But uh, my office is there. Our staff's offices are there. It's become an incredible blessing, not just to Coquitlam, but the Tri-Cities. Not just to Mariner Campus and Town Center Campus, but to Rail City Campus as well. It's an incredible story of generosity. And actually, we have a dessert night coming up, October 14th, 7 p.m. You're invited to come if you want to hear more of that story, if you want to see that building, if you want to just have a slice of cake. Um, but there's also going to be an opportunity uh, for you to give and contribute to what we're doing as a church up there. And so I'd invite you to be a part of that. You see, friends, I want to utilize the testimony like Paul did to encourage us, Rail City, to be like the Macedonians, to be like the Maronites. See, our budget for our campus each year, to, just to run yearly, at least for this year, is $210,000. Um, this includes our, our staffing, that's four staff members, our ministry, and our facility rental. And uh, right now, our year-to-date giving is 160690 This includes all donations given to the general fund, uh, plus a, a generous donation um, to cover our facilities every Sunday. Really, really incredible, which means that we have $49,310 left for this year. And for a church as affluent as us, I'm sure that's not a problem. But here's why I share this with you this morning, is that our goal by the end of our second year as a campus was this, is that we would be able to cover our own costs, that we wouldn't be relying on the generosity of the Maronites, right? But that we'd actually be able to cover our own costs and what we do here in Port Moody and be a self-sustaining church. And so I share this with you today because I want to encourage within us that we would hit that goal of 210000 that we would cover our own costs, that we'd not be a burden on the other churches, but we would be like the Macedonians, generous. And I believe that we can do far more abundantly than that. We are inviting you who have called this church home to join in the legacy of generosity of CA Church. CA Church has always been a generous church, giving a third of our budget away to bless people locally and globally. And this is our heartbeat as well, that we would not just be inward focused, taking care of our budget and our costs, but we'd be outward focused as well, giving to initiatives. Like for instance, right now, this Thanksgiving initiative, we have bringing canned vegetables, right? To feed hungry people locally. Giving to that fund to feed people both locally and globally. 
I encourage you to step into these moments when we have announcements about stuff we're doing around the world that we wouldn't just think about us, but we'd step outside of ourselves to care for our neighbor locally and across the seas. This is our heartbeat as a church. I want to conclude with this, some giving principles, okay? Some giving principles that Pastor Paul gives us when writing to the Corinthians as you're considering generosity, maybe stepping into it. There's a couple things. He calls us to give freely. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he says this. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the you know, generosity through the Macedonians. He says, I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. I'm not up here today, and, and you know, Paul actually says this later. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. And I want you to know that's our heartbeat as a church. If you're visiting here, you're checking out Jesus, you're inquiring about faith, we did not invite you here for your money. I want you to know that. But I, I would encourage you, out of your own free will, as God is leading you, to give generously. No one's checking. I don't check the numbers. I don't check who's giving. A long time ago, Mark Francisco, it used to be an old thing where the pastor would get the notes with everybody and all their giving and things like that. And Pastor Mark said, no, we're not going to do that as a church. So I don't check who's giving and who's not. I love everybody equally. Give time to everybody equally. We're not that kind of church. We'd be a people who give out of our free will. Out of our free will. Not because our pastor commanded us to do so. And that's my heartbeat as well. The second thing is this, though, that we'd be a people who give eagerly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10 says this. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started. Okay, so that it's a good principle. If you committed to something, you would finish what you started. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing so. Now finish what you have started, and let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable, whatever you give. So he's not even saying, you know, for those of you who give this much, it's acceptable. He's saying, no, whatever you give, it is acceptable if you give eagerly, if you give eagerly. The third principle is this, equally. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, of course, I don't mean uh, your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and you can help those who are in need. And later they will have plenty and they can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. Paul is calling for equality of giving. You know, that, that when we have plenty, we would give generously. And then when we're in need, and some of us have faced this before, even in our church, where we were the people giving and then we found ourselves hit economic, challenging times and then the church then supported us. This is how it has worked, that there would be an equality of giving amongst us. And this is something that all of us can do. You know, every single week, actually, I, I love this. Our kids upstairs, and you kids who are in one to five, you know this, they would take an offering. And so every week, Emmy, you know, gets excited about giving her offering. We'll give her a couple of coins, or Grammy will give her a couple of coins. And, and, and she'll head on up there and put it into the piggy bank. And we're teaching a heart of generosity. She doesn't have a lot. She doesn't even recognize the value of money yet, right? But she gives. But some of you guys, as you're getting older, you recognize that $20, well, you could get 
whatever. A new Hot Wheel with that. You could buy it. Maybe you could save it up and buy some new video games for your PS5, right? Whatever it might be. But we can teach this, this principle of generosity, not just to our kids, but to our adults. Anyone can give. It's, it's about our heart when we give. And speaking of our heart, here's the last one. Paul encourages us to give cheerfully. Cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Okay? And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And so go before the Lord. Check your heart. Ask him. Ask him what it is uh, that he's asking you to give. And then as you give, not just eagerly, but give cheerfully, not reluctantly, <laughs> as you're putting in, as you're typing it into the debit machine, as you're putting it on your computer, but cheerfully. These are some of the things Paul is encouraging in us. And so as I invite the band up and I invite the communion uh, service forward, I want to land the plane here once again. Is that friends... Uh, we have an incredibly generous God. An extravagantly generous God who gave us not life and not just life and breath and everything, but actually gave his life on our behalf as he died on the cross for you and me. And the reason why he gave his life is because he loved us. And the reason why he laid it down is because he wanted us to be lifted up. The reason why he went willingly, it says, for the joy that was set before him, joyfully, cheerfully to the cross is because he could see beyond the horizon what it would mean for you and for me. He had vision to know that one day, Cam Daly, when he was 16 years old, would hear about this grace and receive it and not just have this grace, forgiveness, and not just forgiveness, but new life, and not just new life, but eternal life. This is who our God is. This is his kind of generosity. And because we have a generous God, and we remember this as we come to the table in communion, the encouragement for us today is this, as we come forward to receive his mercy and receive his grace in this simple bread and simple juice, that we would walk away with generosity bubbling up in our hearts. Now, I recognize we can't do this on our own. And so I'm going to pray that God, by his spirit, would help us to have a heart like the Macedonians. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus uh, talks about money and giving and all these kind of things. They're not easy ones in today's day and age. Many of us are facing various, maybe trials of our own or financially challenging times. Some of us maybe have been hurt through giving in the past. But I pray today that we would be a people of extravagant generosity. That God, that you would help us, even for those of us who maybe are experiencing financially hard times, to joyfully give, to cheerfully give, to eagerly give. I pray you would help us by your Holy Spirit to have a greater vision for our lives way bigger than just our own little slice here on planet earth but something that our lives can be just a blessing to others to people in our community who are in need to people in our congregation who are struggling 
that we could live for something greater than ourselves. Would we be inspired today as we come to the table by your generosity to us? And God, would you help us by your spirit to be an incredibly generous people? And we don't do it for this reason, but the people would wonder, what's up with that church? What's up with that community? They are so generous. That's my prayer for us this morning. I share the heart of Pastor Paul. Help us with this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.